I will always have hope. O Lord, I will praise you more and more, and my mouth will tell of your righteousness and of your deliverance all the day long. And even though I don't know its measure, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign God. And I will proclaim your righteousness, a righteousness which is yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me this, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, please do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, till I declare your might to all those who are to come after me. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God, and you have done great things. Who, O God, is like you? And though you have made me to see troubles, many of which were bitter, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up and you will increase my honor. And again, you will give me comfort. And in comfort that comes from you, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O God. And I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. And my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. I, whom you have redeemed and delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all the day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. And I have found my hope in thee. Let's pray again together. Father, you, you are a God that... Lord, we feel like, David, that your mighty acts and the expanse of your love and the depth of your mercy is beyond our ability to grasp and to express. But Lord, in the last few days and hours, we have come to a, a new level of understanding of what it means to be stripped of all comfort and all hope be stripped of all ability to control the world around us and to be confronted with our weakness as we stand before a mighty and sovereign and loving God. Lord, we love you and, and Lord, we just have so cherished the sense of your presence and concern for us in the last few hours. And Lord, I've been so blessed as people around us have reached out to us in ways maybe that we've never experienced before to, to meet our need and to pray for us and to put their arm around us and comfort us. And uh, Lord, we just have found such great strength in that. And Lord, help us to continue to grow in our understanding of what it is that you are wanting us to be through all the things that you've just taken us through. Lord, we want to be a people that lift up and magnify your name. And Lord, we want to be a people that will trust you in, in whatever means that you choose to do that. In Christ's name, amen. Well, the phones are sort of getting back into commission and and as they're slowly getting back on the line, I'm getting phone calls from all over the country, even from out of the out of this country, from other countries of friends of mine and friends of uh, people at the campus, friends of John's, friends of students, family even have called me. 
just uh, expressing their concern and the fact that they've been praying for us. Got a call from yesterday, got calls from Toronto, Canada, from a little town called London. As friends there, churches there have been on their knees praying for us. Of course, they uh, they only see what is printed in the USA Today, and I don't know if you've seen the USA Today, but it sort of sort of looks like um, Beirut. I think is, is the best description that I could come up with. But it has really been a, a, a tremendous thing to realize just how many people love us enough and care for us enough to really stop their world. We've been forced to stop ours, uh, but they've chosen to stop theirs. And they've chosen to do so because of their love for us, and they've gotten gone to their knees to, to spend time with the Lord on your behalf, on the school's behalf, and, and uh, on my behalf, on John's behalf, the faculty's behalf. That's really been a great thing. We've been doing that for each other. Every morning I've been praying for you, and, and I know that uh, I sense that you've been praying for us as a faculty and staff, and we've tried to keep, keep things moving in a good direction. It's also a comfort to know that just that there are people around the world praying for us. Yesterday, I was riding home in my car and got a got a phone call from a, a man at from Moody, and I thought it was just someone at the college. And so I returned the call and and was on my car phone talking to the guy. He said, "Well, we're going to go we're going to go live right now, Dave, nationwide." And I said, "Well, maybe I ought to pull over." I've got, and I looked at my two boys and I'll be quiet here. I'm Daddy's going to be on the radio. <laughs> Don't, don't get into a fight in front of all these pe- people. But uh, we pulled over, and I got to talking to him. I said, you know what? It would really be good uh, if we could track John down and, and get him on the radio and let him address your audience. Uh, they know him from his radio show, and I, I, I didn't really realize what you were doing. So we got John on the radio yesterday, went nationwide, and just uh, the bulk of what he said, the the, uh, the the core of what he shared with the people was just his his appreciation of you as a campus and the way that you've responded to this and just how thankful he is just to see how the Lord is working on in our midst. So it's re- it's really in the midst of uh, a lot of fear and a lot of heartache, it's really there's just been some tremendous reminders of just how God, God is good and and how people around us care for us. My kids my kids think that I'm the reincarnation of of uh, Bill Cosby for every event in life I've got a story. And and as I was driving in this morning, thinking about this time, I was thinking about when I was in my summer between high school and college, a friend of mine offered me a job to be a lifeguard. I've never done that before. But I went through all the training, did everything. And it was a very large county pool, and one of my first days on the job is, you know, I thought being a lifeguard, the only thing I ever saw, they sat up there in those chairs and kind of looked cool, you know, had the white noses and and uh, and we're able to get dates really easily, and and that sounded like a good summer to me. But as I got there and was when my first couple of days, a kid, uh, about an eight-year-old child, was pushing against the side of the pool, right where the little ladder is, you know, where you climb out of the pool. And as he pushed, he pushed, and he got his legs stuck behind the ladder. He was under underwater and was playing tag or something, and and kicked off from the wall, but he kicked off sideways, and his leg got jammed un- right between the wall and the ladder. And he was jammed to the point where he could actually physically lift his head above the surface of the water to breathe. But because he was panicking and because he was trying to get his leg loose by keeping his head underwater, he was going to drown. And I went up when I was the first one to him and I got to the little guy and I was trying to get his attention so that I could get him to stop doing what he was doing because as long as he insisted on doing that, he was going to die. 
There was just no way that he was going to live if he insisted on doing his thing in his strength, he was going to die. Now, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but had I been, it, it certainly would have been an appropriate place to quote Proverbs that there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the, way, the end thereof is death. And that's exactly what I faced with this little guy. I was had to get him to trust me to the point where he would give up and relinquish his efforts to preserve his own life. And unless he was willing to do that, he surely was going to die. And it wasn't an easy thing to do. It seemed to go against every ounce of his 50-pound body to do it his way and his strength. And that's sort of what we've been through in the, in the last several hours, isn't it? If there is something that we have learned, it is that as long as we insist to do things in our way, in our strength, life just isn't going to work too well. We've always known that. We've always believed that. We've always read that in the scriptures. But for some of the some of us, and maybe most of us here at the college, the events of the last couple of days have really brought us for the first time in our life face to face in confrontation with that with that truth. That life is just too big for me to handle on my own. And the more that I try to handle it on my own, the more I try to do it in my own strength and my own way, the deeper I seem to slide away from where I need to be and what I should be. And in Proverbs, it's a passage that, that you're, I know, totally familiar with and probably one in the last several hours that you have, have quoted to yourself or read in the little group over and over is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, a very simple, but yet in this time a very profound passage in two verses here where Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Lean not into your own understanding. And I've learned something about myself that I really don't think that I knew before and that is that I am really really in a deep hatred relationship with death. <laughs> I, I had never really realized just how much the prospect of death troubles me and the prospect of my family dying troubles me. I've never been there before. I've never been where I've had to face that with my wife and my two little boys and myself all at the same moment. I mean, we've been out you know, on the highways and things have happened, but I've never ever been in the spot where it really came to my mind honestly and forthrightly that I think we're going to die. And I just never realized just how much that, that throws my world out of whack and how much that everything in me wants to respond to that to somehow to take that away and get rid of it. And something else about myself is, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but I, I'm also at times in that time not too readily given to turning to God immediately. It's sort of like I first want to try it on my own. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Solomon describes what seems to be a very normal and typical human experience when faced with overwhelming circumstances, and that is we try to lean on our understanding. And when we face death or the prospect or what we think may be the prospect of death, when we are confronted unavoidably with fear, and fear at a level that we've never experienced before, 
It is the time of all times that we should not and cannot lean into our own understanding, into it in our own strength, in our own way to respond. And when confronted with fear, we do we do a lot of weird things and unhelpful things and unprofitable things. I've spoken to some people already whose response to fear is to run. That's their understanding. The best way that I know to handle what's going on here is just to flee and to get out of here, get away, go somewhere. And you've, you may not have done that, but I know you have felt that. I felt that. I just want to go somewhere. I just want to get on a plane. I, you know, I got a couple of friends who own private planes and, and I thought, you know, I'd just call them up and I, I don't even care where we go, just go. Just get away. Just want to run when confronted with fear. Some of you I've talked to you want to kind of pretend like maybe it's just not bothering you. And I and I've tried it and I've tried to to get, take that leaning on my own understanding path as well. It just isn't bothering me. It's sort of like we're going to do what the Stoics in Paul's day did, and what they did is they created a desert in the heart and called it peace. When a Stoic teacher was teaching a disciple, he would take the disciple and would walk him through the house and pick up a, a little container, a cup, or a vase and would say to the, to the student, break it, and then say, I don't care. And then he would take him to an animal, and a, a dog, or maybe a horse, and say, kill it, and then stand back and say, I don't care. And just gradually would go from smaller to greater, training his disciple to just completely sever his heart from any sense of emotion, any sense of contact with the world around him. And that's not right. God never calls you and I, you and me, to do that. We're never called to create a desert in our heart and to call it peace. That's not the right response. That's another response of leaning on our own understanding. Sometimes we run. Sometimes we we pretend. And then sometimes we do something that's just a little more spiritual than those first two, and some of you, and I've talked to you, and I know that I've faced this myself, some of us just try to just turn around and face the fear and just work really hard at making the fear go away. The answer is dispelling the fear and addressing the fear face to face. And that doesn't work either. None of those things work. What works is what God tells us to do in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And what he tells us there are three very simple things about himself. Let me read them to you one more time. It says, and Trust not in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. The first very simple, but very practical, and in this circumstance very profound truth that God shares with us in this passage is that he is preeminent above everyone and everything else. The beginning of you and I putting our lives back together when confronted with circumstances beyond our ability to control them is to turn to a God reflecting and meditating upon him as someone who is above everything that you and I have, everything that you and I experience, and everything that you and I are. God is above all life. He is preeminent. And Solomon calls us to that. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, trust in him. Because he is preeminent. The second thing he says about him, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And it's a very interesting 
phrase there in the Hebrew because what he is saying to us there is really he's he's calling us to a recognition of God's presence. To realize that there is no place that you and I can go that we can run from the presence of the Lord. And we have sat down, my wife and I, in the last few days, and, and we have gone over and over and over again that on that lesson with our two children. I and mean, we, we've talked about it. I mean, they're both old enough that we've gone through the, the Bible, and we've talked about the presence of the Lord, and we've talked about how people in the Bible experience comfort from the presence of the Lord. We've, we've taught them on how there were different pictures and different uh, objects that God gave us to teach us about His presence in the Old Testament. And in his presence that was ultimately manifested in the incarnation. And it's, and it's been here in my family's life for many, many months and years. And in my little children. I mean, it's been here. It is there. It's stored there. They know the Bible references. We make them memorize it. They know how to talk about it. They have, they have uh, the ability to bark back some data that we've given them about the presence of God. But because of what's happened to them, all of a sudden that truth that sort of laid there kind of coldly and flatly on the table has been comes has become something living and personal and meaningful it's moved sort of from the head down to the heart last night as the night before we have several families actually sleeping in my house right now because their houses are not livable and so they've uh, moved in with us for a while and uh, that's been kind of interesting we have um, three families and about seems like about 80 children, but I know it must not be the case, probably more like 15. And for the last two or three nights, I've slept on the floor uh, as we've kind of just moved all around in different places in the house to accommodate these people who are with us. And I've slept next to the two boys, um, something that I was going to do, but something that they insisted that I do. And last night, uh, as I had the night before, Nate and Taylor slept right under my arms. They both snuggled up against me, and, and I had my arms around them. Uh, they would switch turns, one against me, and then I would have my arm around the other one and hold the other one, the one that was furthest from his hands. And, and I'd have my arms, even though they're short, I'd have my arms around my two little small boys. This morning, when he, when Nate felt the aftershock that was about, what was it, about 6.15 in my house, I don't know what time it was here, and it was a pretty big one. And I was, I was my alarm had already gone off, and because we haven't slept well like you haven't, I was still tired, kind of dozing in and out, and uh, went to the airport late last night to get some friends from there. And Taylor, Nate turned around and jumped up real quick, and I thought he was scared. And he just jumped up and he said, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I said, What is it? I wasn't afraid. And he looked at me and he said, Why wasn't I afraid, Dad? I wasn't afraid. I mean, he was just so proud of himself. Dad, I wasn't afraid. And I said, Well, tell me, why weren't you afraid? Well, Dad, I think it's because... You are next to me. And that's a, that is exactly what God wants you and wants me to experience with Him. God has taught us about His presence. And you have studied His presence. You have gone to the Old Testament and looked at the, the analogies of His presence, the pictures of His presence, the, the tabernacle, the Shekinah glory cloud. The angel of the Lord. But hopefully, for most if not all of you, maybe for the first time in your life, the presence of God has been something very real. God, I don't know what else is going on, but I do know you're here. 
And being here maybe doesn't mean that you're going to stop the building from shaking. And it may not mean that even that I'm going to survive all of this. But in the midst of whatever it is that I'm facing, I know that I would not be there unless you allowed it to be so because you're preeminent. And I know wherever I am, I am there and you're there with me because of your presence. Simple truths. Theology that's sort of uh, 101 stuff, right? But stuff that maybe doesn't mean a whole lot until we have to turn practically and really and unavoidably to draw from it. The last thing that Solomon says in this little passage is not just that God is preeminent and that God's presence is something that we should draw from, but sort of as a capstone to that, which sort of is almost predictable, he says, and he will make your path straight. You know, we look at that and we interpret that so so quickly to mean, well, it's, a, it's an issue of the will of God, it's an issue of dating, marriage, vocation, and all that. But really, what that verse is saying and what Solomon is bringing our attention upon is that God is powerful. He will make your paths straight. The emphasis in that verse and in the original language, what is really up at the front of the sentence and is there for emphasis is that God will. And whatever God wills will come to pass because he is that kind of God. He is so powerful that he stands above, again, everything. God is preeminent. God is present. And God is powerful. There's a, uh, a devotional book that I use that in that devotional book, there's a chapter on prayers. And in this chapter, there's a prayer there that was discovered some 500 years ago that was written by a, by a man that you're probably familiar with, Thomas Akempis. And in the margin of a book, actually, he wrote down this prayer. It was, a, it was just a, in his own handwriting where he scribbled out in his own words, from, the, from his own heart, facing his own life circumstances, these words. O Lord, greater is thy anxiety for me than all the care that I take for myself. For he, that, he stands very weakly who casteth not his anxieties upon thee. O Lord, if only my will may remain right and firm towards thee, do with me whatsoever it shall please thee. For it cannot be but anything but good whatsoever thou shalt do with me. If thou willest me to be in darkness, be thou blessed. If thou willest me to be in light, be thou blessed. If thou preserves for me comfort, be thou blessed. And if thou willest me to be afflicted, be thou ever equally blessed, O Lord. I didn't know, I don't know a whole lot about Thomas Akempis. But I suspect that somehow he had experienced in his life something in the order of what we've experienced in the last couple of days to be able to write those words. Because those are the words of a man who has said, you know what, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to do it in my way and in my strength. But I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to trust Him. And allow Him to be 
what I need. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being a God that is not beyond our reach and beyond our thoughts, beyond our prayers. I even think of just how many times and passages where individuals and even nations faced very difficult circumstances and one of the promises that you brought to them in that was that you are there with them. And because of your presence, ultimately, we do not have to fear. Lord, thank you for the response of the students that are here. Lord, the love that they have shown to each other. The willingness to really be real with each other and to pray and to be concerned. To put aside their own needs and their own little world. And Lord, to even walk away from taking care of some of the things that they need to take care of to, to help someone else. Lord, thank you for the testimony that the students have been to the neighbors in this canyon and to the people around this entire valley. Lord, we know that you created us to bring you glory. And Lord, we have sensed to a, at a new level for us what it means to really see you manifested in our weakness. God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the way that you preserved life. Lord, thank you that the campus is in great shape for us to go back to classes. Lord, thank you that the water is back on and the electricity is on. And Lord, hopefully in just a few hours as we check all the pipes, we'll get the gas back on. Thank you for all those things, Lord, that are just temporal comforts. But Lord, even as we get back to normalcy and we get all the things that we had before the earthquake, God, it is the deepest desire of our heart to not lose the relationship that we have had with you in the last couple of days. That God, we won't be dependent upon adverse circumstances to really cling to you and to, and to draw from you our strength. But this might be a new beginning that from from this time forward, every single day, no matter how comfortable it is, no matter how full it is of, of life's pleasantries, Lord, we will give that day to you. We will honesty, honestly and with integrity thank you for our daily bread. And Lord, realize that everything that we are and everything that we have is a blessing from your hand. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the refreshing of the Spirit that comes by listening to your Word and fellowshipping together and singing. And Lord, we look forward to get back into class, to spend time with the faculty and to see the faces we've not seen for a few days, to laugh together, to cry together, to pray together, to share together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. See?